0: Hi, everyone. I'm Emma Partridge, and I want to welcome you to a new season of All Right, Now What?, a podcast by the Canadian Women's Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us for our first three seasons where we explore the pandemic's impact on women and girls. But even when this virus recedes, its impacts will continue to be felt. We still need systemic change to achieve gender equality. So moving forward, every week our experts will put an intersectional feminist lens on one topic we've all been hearing about. The issues and stories that just seem to keep resurfacing and make you wonder, why is this still happening? How is it possible we haven't fixed this yet? We're going to explore the systemic roots of these issues and real strategies for change. The work of the Canadian Women's Foundation and the organizations that we support takes place on traditional First Nations, Métis and Inuit territories. We are grateful for the opportunity to meet and work on this land. However, we recognize that land acknowledgements are not enough. We need to pursue truth, reconciliation, decolonization, and allyship in an ongoing effort to make right with all our relations.
1: Hi, Andrea Gunrad here. Since August, we've been addressing the pandemic's impacts on girls and gender diverse youth through the Got Your Back campaign. The Canadian Women's Foundation supports 34 programs all over Canada that have been supporting girls and youth in the pandemic as they struggle with mental health and healthy relationships, identity, belonging, and confidence. This has got us thinking about the big picture of what the present means to the future for girls and young people, millennials and Gen Z. Today, we're joined by Anjum Sultana, National Director of Public Policy and Strategic Communications at YWCA Canada to get a sense of what it means to prevent a lockdown generation.
2: Thank you. It is such a pleasure. I am a longtime fan of the podcast, so it's such a treat to
1: be on here with you. There have been so many questions about what's going on for girls and young women and gender diverse youth in the pandemic. Just give us a sense of what you're seeing.
2: Absolutely. This pandemic has had such severe gendered impacts. And I know many of these issues have been covered on your program, everything from the rise in gender based violence to uh, caregiving duties that have been increasing, and also the economic impacts and stress of this time. And what we've seen is actually, based on which generation you're part of, how old you are, you also are facing additional stresses. And we're seeing, especially for millennials and Gen Z, many of these issues have heightened, especially for girls, gender diverse youth and young women. Uh, One of the things that keeps me up at night is the fact that Gen Z women who make up 2.5% of Canada's labor force. Experienced 17% of the job losses. And in the work that we do at the YWCA, we work with young people across the country around leadership, around skills training, around employment. And so many are telling us uh, that they are feeling left behind. They're feeling like the Canadian dream where if you put your head down, you work hard, there's a good job waiting for you. And in this pandemic, that is becoming more and more difficult to actually be realized. And so we're seeing massive employment disruptions. We're seeing massive school closures and we're seeing mental health for young people being impacted, especially for young women, especially for gender diverse youth.
1: Tell us about the research you've been doing about a lockdown generation.
2: Part of this idea behind the lockdown generation is that young people have experienced so many traumatic shocks from employment disruptions to school closures to finding a difficult place, a uh, difficult uh, to find a place to live. All of this contributing to a mental health crisis. And in our research, we were seeing that If young people are not supported in this critical moment in time, they may experience the fallout for the next 10 years. And so the ILO, the International Labour Organization, has been talking about how do we prevent a lockdown generation? And so for us at the YWCA, you know, we do a lot of essential services. We also do national advocacy. And we were realizing there were a lot of folks being left behind. How do we actually not only stop that in the here and now, but for the future? So let me give a a specific example. Um, Employment. So young people are disproportionately represented in uh, many of the sectors that were hardest hit during the pandemic, everything from hospitality to tourism to retail services, many of the same sectors that women broadly are also disproportionately uh, working in. And so what we saw was that those lockdown measures, while critical for saving us from public health concerns, also had the potential for impacting the opportunities that young people had access to. And so part of what we've been doing um, with this work is actually thinking about how do we not only prevent a lockdown generation, but how do we unlock opportunity for young people? And one of the things that we've seen is actually having guaranteed programs when it comes to access to employment or access to skills training. So one of the policy recommendations we came across and what we are recommending in our report is actually looking at a youth job guarantee. So this is something that has been uh, put forward in the European Union. It was something that they had pre-pandemic, but they've amplified it and made it more robust. And it's this idea that If you're a young person, 30 and under, you should have the guarantee of a good job with decent wages or access to training or an apprenticeship of some sort. But the understanding that if young people are not succeeding, not only is that bad and something to be of concern for that young person, but that should actually require a societal approach. And you know, with respect to uh, young people and employment, we're actually seeing that if we don't address it, that could actually have implications on our country's GDP. So a recent report that came out of the UK found that youth employment during the pandemic could potentially set back that country's GDP by 17 billion pounds over the next seven years. So that's a very real concern here in Canada as well. So part of our job with this work on preventing a lockdown generation was to highlight all of the issues that young people have experienced from employment to housing to mental health, but also demonstrate what solutions are available. And one of the biggest things we saw was we need to invest in young people's leadership And we also need to invest in the organizations that support them.
1: What you're advocating for is long term thinking. It's really critical, but sometimes elusive in public policy. It sounds like we need to be thinking over a 10 year horizon. And that's what you're speaking to. And you're preventing a lockdown generation roadmap. Give us a sense of some of the highlights of this roadmap to think about going forward. Absolutely. So together
2: we had six pillars and we did this also in partnership with our colleagues at the YMCA Canada. At the beginning, the foundation that we want to really start with was how do we build an inclusive society? Because for us, we can't have an economic recovery in a climate of discrimination, of racism, of fear, of violence. And so uh, at the heart of it was starting with the calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, as well as the calls to justice in the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls uh, National Inquiry Report. Following that, we also wanted to look at racism in this country and how do we actually address that in the labor market and in other spheres of society. So one of the critical things we are calling for is let's have an anti-racism act in Canada and start to actually look at different issues that are concerning people in this country around anti-Black racism, around anti-Indigenous racism, around anti-Asian hate, and making sure we actually have an action plan to address it. Some of the other recommendations we have are around promoting meaningful employment. So I talked a bit earlier about a youth job guarantee. We also were looking at programs like the summer jobs program and seeing how that could be made stronger to actually support meaningful employment for young people because that's the thing that we've have been hearing over and over again young people have the right ideas they have the right education what they're not getting access to are opportunities and that's something that's been actually harder in this pandemic that that we think uh, should be addressed we also talk about housing Because housing is such a fundamental component to a good life, to a life that allows you to reach your full potential. And what we're seeing is that. Youth homelessness has actually been on the rise. Uh, So one of the things we had called for is actually building the affordable housing supply, but also supporting nonprofit providers of housing with uh, operational dollars for wraparound supports, because we know young people, young women and gender diverse youth don't live just on uh, single issue lives. They have multiple needs and multiple areas that they may need support in. And that's something we should be investing in. Uh, We also talked about the importance of mental health, and I think this is something that's top of mind to many, many people across the country. And so what we need to look at is how do we actually support young people? And can we look at that through a recovery lens? So one of the things we've been calling for is a youth mental health recovery plan. And we were quite pleased, for example, in the establishment of a task force for women in the economy. For us, we'd be really curious to see, can there be additional representation to ensure young people, young women and gender diverse youth are represented? Will the action plan also focus on that in particular? What gets measured gets done. And we'd like to see as future budgets come out, as we start to look at our post-pandemic recovery, actually building in, in the quality of life framework for the federal budget, a section on child and youth well-being. If we want, as a country, to recover, we really need to look at where we spend our dollars, and we really need to measure the indicators that matter the most. And for us, how young people are doing needs to be part of the conversation. And finally, and I think this is something, you know, across the feminist movement we've been talking about, and I would also say in the youth serving sector is a growing conversation, is the importance of core funding. So how do we better support the organizations that will be pivotal to our recovery? So that's been another critical plank of our our plan. I think what I'd love to let listeners know is that as a country, For us to recover, we need to ensure there's an intersectional perspective. And one of the things we can't ignore is the impacts on younger generations, because good or bad, the consequences of this time will be felt for generations to come and what we want to ensure that at the decision-making table we don't forget how millennials and Gen Z have experienced this pandemic and actually ensuring that they're supported right now because there's a real fear if we don't support them right now they'll experience the challenges for the next 10 years and that's something we cannot
0: afford. Thanks for listening. Just by downloading and sharing the show, you're supporting gender equality. If you'd like to help Canada get even closer to gender justice, consider donating to support our work at canadianwomen.org. Until next time.